At long last, Toronto FC were back at BMO Field this week and celebrated their homecoming with a pair of victories over the Vancouver Whitecaps. My name is Mitchell Tierney. This is Waking the Red Weekly, presented by Footy Talks. Every Tuesday at noon here, live on Zoom and Facebook, we talk all things Toronto FC, Canadian soccer, sometimes our Belgian vacations, depending upon how much coffee Jeff's had in a given week. Um, a little bit later on today's show, uh, we will talk to Toronto FC and Canadian men's national team defender Adrian Can. Uh, we'll talk to him about uh, the soccer project he's putting together in Peterborough, as well as plenty more about uh, the game in this province and this country. But first, uh, Jeff, uh, the bruised banana kit. Love to see it. Love to see the Roma. That's uh, last year's away with the lightning stripe slash lightning sash. It's beautiful. I actually need to do a shout out because I think this is the third kit that I bought from Martin at Away Days, football.com, that I've worn on the show. So uh, if you want to support a, a really, really, really good venture and get yourself some official kits for a lot cheaper than the going rate you need to give that guy a visit. Uh, there you go. There's my plug for the day. <laughs> there you go, Michael. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing well, Mitch. You know, TFC are vibing. Fonzie's doing well. Canada soccer's doing well. I can't complain. Yeah, absolutely. A, a great time to be a, a Canadian soccer fan right now. And um, yeah, let's let's. I guess let's start with Toronto FC. And I think Extra Time Radio posed this question the best of anyone I've heard. Are Toronto FC the best team in the Eastern Conference, or are they just playing Vancouver boys? <laughs> Jeff, start that one off. I know you're. I know you're itching to say something. Uh, I, look, um, I, I want it open with some stats, and uh, we're two games away from tying the 2004-2005 Columbus Crew for the longest undefeated streak in MLS history at uh, 19 games. Uh, we're right now in fifth place. And as you know, LAFC, uh, as a consequence of getting shredded by uh, the Galaxy in El Trafico over the, the last week, they also bowed out of their attempt at the streak. So we're doing pretty good. Um, we're also one point off of Columbus. We're at 15 points. They're at 16 uh, for the Eastern Conference. We're both at seven games played. But the interesting part is that we've got a 2.5 points per game versus Columbus's 2.29 points per game. And we're uh, minus four in goal differential on them, which in a way circles back to your question, Mitch. Um, yeah, it's, it's Vancouver. And I think we can all agree that there is a pretty wide gulf in quality between the two sides. But we didn't finish a lot of our chances that second game. And uh, in a tight race with Columbus at the top, I think that that's got to be one of the takeaways. Uh, you know, uh, I flashed to Mullins missing that absolute sitter as, uh, as uh, one example. But, uh, yeah, I mean, listen, I like winning. Uh, a one nothing result makes Prediction League spreadsheet work real easy for me, so I can't complain. Uh, but uh, that, that's, my, that's my one takeaway is that I'm, I'm concerned about our finishing. Um, I, I kind of, yeah, I agree with you there, Jeff, that the finishing wasn't pretty. Um, and you know, Josie still hasn't gotten off the mark, I believe this season, if, if I'm not mistaken, no, I, think I, you're right. I could be mistaken yeah. about that. Um, no, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that, that's a little question mark there. The good news is that Io Akinola, you know, he's back in training, you know, we know what he can do. He can score goals, right? <laughs> um, so yeah, we're, we're going to see like uh, maybe potentially a one, two punch up top with Josie and Io, uh, you know, when, when we do get healthy. So maybe that'll solve some of the issues, but just circling back to Mitch's original question. Um, I kind of wrote about this earlier and 
TFC have a really rare opportunity here. And that is to, you know, walk away with 18 points at the near the start of the season facing only Montreal and Vancouver, which is something that's just never happened before. And we know how important it is to get off an early start in supporter shield races. Um, especially, you know, when you think back to 2017, that was the only year that Toronto FC, you know, obviously won the supporter shield. Um, and, you know, in comparison, like last year, they had a great season, but they got off to a slow start and that sort of cost them. And also, you know, some, some late leads that they gave up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think it is, you know, maybe it is TFC playing Vancouver and, you know, eventually Montreal, but at the same time, they're, they are, they are really good. Come on. Like the Jeff's, Jeff's already pointed out the numbers are there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. never look a gift horse in the mouth, right? Uh, it could be an easy 18 points uh, <laughs> in a, in a truncated season, uh, you know, playing against two teams. One, I think Montreal will be a difficult, will be, I mean, I know you guys all said that, that Vancouver is the team that you're most afraid to face off to in this infinite round robin. I think Montreal is going to bring something different. Um, yeah, hold but, on. Can I take that back? Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> can, can I take I that back, say. please? <laughs> no backsies, guys. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, I think that is the caveat, though, is that we haven't seen what Montreal looks like post-MLS is back. You know, th- there is some talent there, and if if Thierry um, can put it together, we they might be a difficult opponent, as Jeff has said. But, you know, if you're Mark DeSantos, you have to be super frustrated with your Vancouver Whitecaps because I thought they actually showed something, both in the first two games of the season and even at MLS's back. I mean, they were a tough, they were a tough out for Kansas City. Um, they were – very good on the counterattack, which is why I thought they'd be a problem team for Toronto. See, obviously, Jordi Reyna sitting out, I think, was absolutely key for Toronto mm-hmm. in terms of that. But in those two games, Vancouver showed almost nothing. And if you're Mark DeSantos, it feels like for the third time this season, you're you're back to square one. But um, I did uh, – you mentioned players scoring goals, and I did want to mention Pablo Piatti because I think that's one of the big takeaways from this. Um, he looked great. And I think, uh, I think you know, continuing to – to fit well with Pozuelo and continuing to just add another element to the Toronto FC attack, which is exactly what he got brought in for. Um, what are your thoughts on, on his performances over the two games, Michael? Yeah, that was the best version of Pablo that we've got to see so far. In the first game, uh, he lived up to his designated player tag, right? He was connecting well with not only Pozuelo, not only Aro, but really the rest of the team it kind of seemed like they were sort of buying into what he was sort of offering and one of the things I really noticed about Pablo was his uh his willingness his willingness to trust his teammates you know he is the new guy in a sort of way in this Toronto FC squad but at the same time like he's he's bought into that message and you know he does come with this big kind of La Liga kind of in a way like sexy kind of you know, name to him, but he's, he's humble, man. He's humble. And he, he loves for all accounts. He loves Toronto. And it's great to see that he's that sort of translating on the field too. Yeah. And Serge Gnabry liked his goal so much that he copied it like two days later. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, watching, uh, who did he go to, who did he go to hug on the first goal? The acupuncture therapist. That was fantastic. Cello. yeah. 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 And, uh, um, just, you know, he, like him and Paws just find each other for sellies and they, you know, they hug like they're two six-year-olds on the pitch, just like <laughs> discovering football for the first time. And it warms, it warms this sad, cynical heart. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Hey, both of those players are in the uh, MLS team of the week. Oh, yeah, it's true. It just can't can't be separated, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, That's a good point. We actually have a question here from George, which is um, any indication of when Montreal began training post-Florida versus TFC? I'm assuming when I guess yeah, when, when they, they came got, back, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, I think I think it's pretty close to to Toronto FC when I think they both quarantined for 14 days, so I think it'd be pretty similar there. With that being said, I would much rather have played the games first as Toronto FC did versus training for another week or so as Montreal did. I think, especially at this point in the season, mm-hmm. uh, especially with game, Montreal, especially right. because yep. it's Montreal, he. He needs to tinker with his lineups in a real game situation. I mean, Great point an, extra well, yeah. week, an extra week, an extra month, it doesn't help Thierry Henry. This was, this was really bad timing for him. Yeah, exactly. I think, I think uh, these are potentially big games for Montreal as uh, not only an opportunity to pick up points against, you know, again, a Vancouver side that don't look too great, uh, but also an opportunity to, you know, play a lot of games in short succession against Canadian opponents, not travel a lot and, um, you know, figure out their lineup. So, yeah, yeah that uh, that sucks for Montreal. They're, they start six points behind without even kicking a ball yet. Yeah, right? that's a good point to, too. Yeah, sucks are awesome. I mean, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Canadian Championship twenty twenty, uh, right? Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know why they uh, why they sat on NYCFC at the Disney tournament because someone can tell the future and realize what was coming for them. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, I mean, did you guys catch uh, Mark Dos Santos on our sister show, Footy Talks Weekly? I thought he was did, really yeah. candid. And uh, he echoed a lot of what you said. Um, there's no continuity, you know. He went to that tournament and they had a, an amazing showing, but they were missing a lot of their frontline, line attacking talent. And then to try and integrate them into the squad after the fact, uh, he's had some problems. And they're going toe-to-toe with TFC. And it's not the homer in me saying this, but we're awesome. So, mm-hmm. you know. No, I think yeah. we're, we're getting that respect around the league, and that kind of started today when Toronto FC they they're the they're the number one team in the MLS power rankings, kind of you know taking that spot away from LAFC, and that's coming up from that American based MLS website. So shout out to the Reds for sure. Yeah, if you go on the MLS mothership, it's basically a Canadian soccer newsletter right now with all the fonts and posts <laughs> and the TFC and the in the top of the in the top of the power rankings it's it's pretty fantastic long long may it continue <laughs> Canada soccer yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah speaking of uh kind of going into our next topic another canadian soccer topic and the standout player from the second game between toronto fc and the whitecaps man richie larea um i think it feels like every week he gets better and um i i think i think honestly his move to left back creates so many different things for, and I know it probably won't be long-term with Toronto FC because, you know, you've got Justin Morrow there. Um, but the ability to play on that left side, the, the one thing that struck me is from a Canadian men's national team standpoint, having Richie Larea as a player who could either play in the left wing and interchange with Davies or at left back and interchange with Davies and cover him defensively, but also offer that offensive spark that gets me very excited for Mm-mm-mm. what Canada could do in the future because I think that's kind of a perfect player to have have over there um again you you see what Bayern does um with uh who's it who's it who plays on that side usually uh ahead of uh, Fonzie yeah 
Uh, Parasitch. Parasitch or Coleman. Yeah, so they, they step back for Davies like to have that ability with Canada, and I think Richie's the perfect player to do it. Um, that's one thing that's excited me, but uh, Michael, what are, you, what are your thoughts on, on Richie and you know continuing sure. what, what he brings for Canada? Yeah. And, I, of course, Toronto FC. I actually asked him about uh, you know his transition to left back after the match. Um, and essentially what he said is just it's still a learning process for him. Um, it's great to see, you know, him getting forward on the Toronto FC left side. Uh, we've seen Justin Morrow, who's been so good at it down the years, over the years, being able to go up and down the field. Um, but I still think it's still kind of a learning process for him. It's great to see him be able to take s- such a variety of positions in stride and do such a manageable job. But has there been a left back yet that Toronto FC has thrown into this formation who hasn't really done what's asked of them i kind of think it's sort of a safe spot on the field hmm. where you know putting a player like richard Rillier does do a lot of justice to the position because he's so good at going forward but is there really that much being asked of him defensively um i, I think it's a perfect setup for him right now in the toronto hmm. fc system and he's taking full advantage so all the credit to richard Laria for being able to play left back and it is another option that greg vanny can do and go to um and it's great for Canada soccer too, because maybe they can try and test him out there. I just don't know if he really is the long-term solution at left back there. Hmm. Now I don't, I don't play soccer. Uh, so all that I've been reading about that, that talks about that switch, if you're an outside back and you're on the right and you get used to the field looking a certain way, that it's, it's crazy difficult to actually make that switch because everything is happening in your blind spot basically. And, and, and I found that fascinating. I mean, to me, uh, I'm going to talk about uh, Richie on TFC because I think you've covered all the bases with Richie and the national team setup, and it's, it's hella exciting. I, I, I echo Michael's uh, concerns, but how nice is it to have Richie and Nick Delion on this squad? They are Swiss Army knives. They're unbelievable utility players. You can slot them pretty much anywhere, whether they're a starter or coming off the bench and they're both very goal dangerous to say nothing of their, mm-hmm. of, of, uh, um, their, you know, how well they handled their, their defensive and off the ball responsibilities. I mean, is there a position that Nick DeLeon can't play and impact a game? Uh, you know, I, I think we're sleeping on his skill and ability. Like he's just, he's a monster coming off the bench. He's, he's, he's it's, it's fantastic to have him here. You got a nice shout out from uh, Josie Altador after the match, after he scored his nice uh, little finish from Pozuelo there when he, Pozuelo had that, that yeah. great behind, you know, wasn't even mm-hmm. looking, a little flick on to Dillion who just slotted yeah. in far corners, thing of beauty. Um, but Josie, yeah, Josie tweeted about Dillion. I think George is saying this now. Yeah, Josie, we own the Coke, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's like a secret weapon, one of the most <laughs> underrated players in MLS, like, Legit though, like Dillion is kind of slept on, and I'm glad that TFC, you know, it helped with his banger and against Atlanta. But mm-hmm. he is getting some love from TFC fans, and I think you know his his play is kind of justifying that, right? Yeah, uh, there was a there was a tweet that MLS Mothership put out: uh, the player most uh, most skilled, least amount of hype. And I I put in Nick's name, and then a guy uh, gave me a gif that of. Oh, I peed my pants and he was a DCU fan. So I'm wondering if that was him agreeing with me or him <laughs> saying that my, my, my pick was absolute garbage because yeah, he was a hero at DC United. They were sad to see him go. Right. So yeah. I, I'm going to err on the side of he was agreeing with me, not 
telling me I'm an idiot. <laughs> okay. yeah, he's I, I always err on that side, too. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. Um, I, I walk on the dark side of the street. Yeah, yeah and, uh, you use the term utility, guys, which sometimes, you know, sometimes that can get a, a bad connotation in the sense that if you're a utility guy, you're not necessarily an expert in one position. But the thing about Deleon and Larea is – you know, they're starting caliber MLS players in, in all of those positions they can play, which makes it even more exciting. You know, these aren't like, these aren't just guys who are being pigeonholed into bad positions. These are guys mm-hmm. who are excelling in whatever position they're being played in. So uh, again, the, the flexibility of Toronto FC uh, that continues to grow, it makes them exciting. And again, makes them, I think, one of the, the top teams, certainly in the Eastern Conference and, and in the league as well. And circling um, back to that, sorry, just Mitch. Sure, yeah, no problem. Quickly is... Uh, you know, Toronto FC's best starting 11 might not even include both Richard Larea and Nick mm-hmm. DeLeon. Yeah, I don't think so it does. As much love as we just gave to those guys, that's how good Toronto FC are, mm-hmm. is they have those guys plus their starting 11 on there. Like, it's, it's a good yeah. problem to have. It's a very mm-hmm. good problem to have. Yeah, and both have shown they can make an impact in, in short minutes, you know, off the bench. Like, you give them 20, 30 minutes, and both of them playoffs last year, this year, they both mm-hmm. are impact guys. So, absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely uh, exciting stuff. Um, I did want to touch quickly on uh, signing this week for Toronto FC. Jordan Peruzza, uh, an academy player, played for Toronto FC 2 last year, scored all of the goals. Um, rumors were that he was getting a ton of interest from from a number of European leagues and clubs, and ends up signing with Toronto FC. Um, I'm kind of mixed on this one. I don't necessarily see where he plays right away just because, you know, you've got Mullins there. Akinola is obviously uh, a close second to the depth chart now. Josie Altidore. Um, So it might be tough for him to get minutes this season, but this is a guy who I really do think could fit Toronto FC's system well. He's a smart runner. Um, You know, if you give him a good pass, he's scoring the chance. Mm. And I really like, what Toronto FC is getting in Jordan Peruzza. So um, as much as, you know, as, as a Canadian soccer fan, I always want to see guys getting minutes and I always want to see them in, a, in an opportunity where, where they'll get those minutes. But at the same time, you know, from a Toronto FC perspective, this is an exciting young player and one that uh, I've really liked everything that I've seen for him with both club and country so far. Yeah, they had to bag one, right? That we lost uh, Pellegrini. Is that his name? Pellegrino? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, we had to bag one, so I, I you know, I'm, I'm glad we, we at least got one or two because they were, they were both on their way out, I think. Yeah, we talked about that a little bit last week and just what that meant to uh, Toronto FC losing a player like Pellegrino. Um, and then, you know, being able – we talked about Jordan Peruse as well, who was being linked to overseas, and Mitch, Mitch kind of touched on. And it's a win for Toronto FC. Because we know we've we've talked about Jordan Pruz in our WTR chat for the past year and a half year, mm-hmm. um, and we know like about his ability to put the ball in the back of the net, and we know that there was interest overseas. So kind of I'm kind of as Mitch kind of said, where does he fit in? I'm kind of mm-hmm. a little I'm questioning here. Why did Pruz decide to to two sign with Toronto FC? Um, just because we know what's in front of him, is this kind of signaling, you know, maybe the end of Josie Altador era coming soon? Are we are we flipping the script? Um, where is that room going to be? Is Patrick Mullins going to be gone soon? Like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. It, it's it's a question mark for me. It's but again, congrats to Jordan Bruce. I, I do want I do want to say that like great on him for his first sign of that contract. He's a he's a nineteen year old kid, and don't don't get me wrong, Jordan. If you do see it, like it's it's great for you, and I, I wish you all the best, but. 
if you do have interest overseas into clubs that would potentially give you playing time, why not? <laughs> well, there's the rub. I mean, how do you know you're going to get the playing time, right? Like, how, you're, what, you're not going to get playing time in Toronto? That's true. That's true. Good point. <laughs> yeah. Very good point. Yep. Yep. But I who think knows? this is an ex- yeah. exciting change of discussion too. And it feels like this is happening more and more now is like, we see guys like Prusa signing and like, I don't know, five, 10 years ago, if we saw a 19 year old striker signing with Toronto FC, we'd all be over the moon excited, you mm-hmm. know, a Canadian kid. It's like, this, this is awesome. This is, this is huge for us. And now we're all about guys getting minutes, guys, <laughs> you know, national team relevancy. Yep. Like, yep. No, I think this is a natural progression for soccer in this country. I think it's, you know, it, it's it's good that the discussion's taken that next step in the mm-hmm. evolution and and yeah. gone to this now, which I. That's a great uh, point. That was positive. that's a really that's it's, a really good point. That's a really good point, and it's yeah. really just in the past maybe two years that we're seeing this kind of, you know, come to fruition. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, the groundwork's been there, but it, it's it's really happening before our eyes. So, as Mitch kind of touched on, this is huge. Yeah, this is yeah. huge. Absolutely. Yeah, it, Adrian uh, will be joining us in just a couple minutes here, but before we get him on, I think we have to very quickly talk about Alfonso Davies, Who? first Canadian Who? international. I thought we were yeah. talking about an app to find uh, <laughs> to find the latest uh, soccer talent in the GTA. <laughs> well, maybe yeah, maybe that app will unearth the next uh, Alfonso Davies based on uh, twenty-minute uh, speeds or whatever it is. But um, I, can you, know, you catch should... Pokemon with it? That's my question. Can you catch... <laughs> <laughs> Pokemon Go for you know, yeah, footballers. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, but I, you know, this is obviously a, a huge moment for Canadian soccer, and I mean, yeah, it, it's just it's just so exciting to see you know Alfonso Davies just continue to. Uh, again, what I said on Twitter was this: this really makes it real for for young uh, soccer players, and I think Mark DeSantos put it well when he said mm-hmm. how they have a frame of reference. Not only can they dream that they can play in Champions League finals, they've seen someone from Canada do it. Um, so I think that's so important for for development of soccer in this country. Mm-hmm. I do want to I do want to say Canadian men's. I know you're very well aware of that. Right. Yeah. Sometimes yeah, yeah, yeah. sometimes yeah. that can get overlooked. Um, no, that's fair. No, no yeah, I, I did just want to. Three wanna... times champion is is yeah. that good? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Probably sure. a fourth this year too. <laughs> exactly with that Leon team. So mm-hmm. um, just shout out her before we get started. But what a moment, man! Like it, it's I don't even know if it's hit me yet, but mm-hmm. it's tough to put words into what that means. I I I in my lifetime, like I grew up playing soccer here in Canada. I know the ins and outs of it, but. In my like, it has grown so much in the last like five years alone. In my lifetime, I did not think I would see a Canadian men's international player hoist a, a Champions League trophy, especially one mm-hmm. playing for Bayern Munich and one that's considered the best fullback in the world. It's again, I'm at a loss for words mm-hmm. just thinking mm-hmm. about how special this really is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's 19 years old, as evidenced by him losing his absolute mind with the Drake follow on Instagram. Uh, you know, the, 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 I'm trying to avoid the articles that are, are a little bit cynical about Fonzie. Like, well, now that he's, you know, done all this at 19, what's he going to do? He's going to do it again and again and again and again. Uh, I mean, that, you know, it, it just seems awfully clickbaity that, you know, less than a week off from this... Uh, this massive, massive achievement, people are already starting to, uh, you know, uh, try and contextualize it. You can't contextualize it. Enjoy the ride. Um, and, uh, and, you know, there, there we go. But, but certainly take stock in, in just how unprecedented this is mm-hmm. and what a sea change it could mean. I mean, 
not just for for kids that that want to get into the sport for people with money that want to invest in the sport in Canada mm -hmm. that can't that can't be understated you know uh this has opened eyes of people with that hold the purse strings and that's damned important um you know you got to you got to think if you're a startup company and you're and you want to invest in in professional sports are you going to go the hockey route in Toronto right now considering that the Leafs are kind of in this like limbo and the avenue of of entry is that much higher um you're going to start seeing a lot more corporations uh especially Canadian national or Canadian multinational corporations get into soccer sponsorship because the the benefits to them in capturing that demographic like Fonzie's captured are huge Huge. Uh, the Fonzie effect is it's going to be yeah yeah we just named it the Fonzie effect that's, the Fonzie that's, it's yeah. it, it's yeah. going to be generational yeah absolutely um, and I forgot what I was going to say but it's no just it, a tsunami it's, it's just a tsunami that that will potentially change how the sport is viewed yeah. in this country from top to bottom yeah thanks for the same i was going to talk a little bit about the, i was going to talk a little bit about the business aspect of it okay. you kind of you kind of touched on it. it's just not only like companies within our country, but we're going to start seeing teams scouting Canada mm -hmm. more so now. And I Can think we talk about the app now, <laughs> but I think kind of just, yeah, wrap, sure. hold sure. on. I think just kind of, let me just finish. I think kind of just yeah, wrapping absolutely. it all together. Mm. <laughs> um, it's just TFC is kind of going to be that, that mother mothership of Canadian prospects. Should it not? And is that this now, not the time where Toronto FC may look internally and may have to say, okay, are we going to start selling some of these homegrown signings? Um, and I think that's going to be the next sort of shift that we start to see over the next maybe seasons, two seasons. Mm -hmm. Io Akinola, if he comes on, he comes on, he scores, you know, 10, 15 goals this year, adds another, you know, 10, 15 goals next year. You're looking at a $10 million player easy, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. this, this is really the, the start of something, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of starts of something, I mean, I, can you explain this app to me? At first, when I saw it this morning, I thought it helped you find soccer pitches for five-a-side pickup games. I had no idea what I was looking at. So it's it's like a it's like a digital thermometer to measure your kids' speeds, essentially. <laughs> Something like that, Jeff. Um, so essentially, Toronto FC. If you guys didn't hear, Toronto FC announced today that they launched a new app, which is targeted targeting. Um, kids who want to you know grow up playing soccer in Canada so for parents they have to essentially measure their kids speed and it'll sort of um, measure that up to the Toronto FC Academy's player speeds mm. um, so there's two kind of tests that you can do on the app it's a straight uh, I think I don't know how long the sprint is it might be a 20 meter sprint or maybe a bit longer than that and you just measure how fast your your kid is and there's also like a 200 meter shuttle. Um, so that sort of builds on like the agility and, you know, consistency. So just based off those two tests, I guess, Toronto FC is able to recognize that there's some sort of, you know, athletic freak out there um, that could be the next, you know, Toronto FC Academy player. Um, I have, I have <laughs> thoughts. I mean, one, I like that you mentioned 200 meter shuttle as if I had any clue what the hell you were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, uh, a, it's a back and forth run, back and forth okay. run, 200 meters. Oh, nice, nice, nice. So how that, that's different than a sprint because a sprint is just one way. Awesome. Sprint, you're going one. Learning, yeah. learning. Um, and how is this not going to result in the team getting sent 400 million DMs from like excited parents with speed test results? 
a plenty just well, waiting for their I think the idea is that the tests are going to get automatically uploaded to the Toronto FC kind of their their Toronto FC is going to be seeing the test so if you know if your kid does have standout results Toronto FC will see that mm-hmm. um obviously I, I don't know the ins and outs of the app and I don't know how their their customer service department I guess let's call it is going to yeah, work yeah yeah um, you can say Eric, I think, is probably going to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> dang, dang, Eric G. But, um, <laughs> but no, I, I think it, uh, Toronto FC, they've always talked about how great their digital uh, technology department is, and especially in these last couple of years, how much it's grown. And MLSC in general, they boast one of the best, if not the best, digital technology department in all of sports. So it's sort of the, you know, the their first step towards uh, – being the innovators in the digital technology space. Uh, It's probably not going to be perfect, but we'll we'll see what comes of it. Yeah, it happens all the time. I mean, you look at uh, animation studios that create a new algorithm and then they end up marketing that as a standalone software or plugin. So you can see TFC porting this to the rest of MLS at profit if it it works. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I I think Adrian is here, so we'll get him on in just a second, but um, yeah, certainly, uh, as, as you guys said, an innovative way to um, kind of look at soccer in the region. But yeah, Adrian, how are you doing? Hey, how's it going, guys? Uh, sorry for the technical delay. I was trying to log no on. And, yeah, so how's everyone doing? Great, hey, great, great. Adrian. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me on, guys. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the rare players who's played for Vancouver, Montreal, and Toronto. I don't think many uh, many Canadian players can say that national team as well. But uh, to kick things off, Adrian, here, we wanted to talk about a, a project you're currently working on in Peterborough with the Electric City Football Club, um, a team you're hoping to have play in, play in League One Ontario. How'd you get involved with that project? And uh, what is it about Peterborough that uh, you think could uh, make a successful soccer city? Well, yeah, the, the way I got you know involved in the project was organically. I was up in Peterborough sh- uh, showing off some real estate in the Peterborough Square, and uh, I happened to come across Keaton Robbins uh, just abruptly, you know, on the street, and uh, he mentioned the you know the the intentions of establishing a professional organization uh, up in Peterborough, and I you know I felt that you know I think in Canada, especially now, we we need these little market niches that could potentially find hidden talent, hidden gems uh, that could surprise not, you know, the nation, but, you know, I guess the world. There's a lot of players that kind of fall through the cracks, especially with this day and age. You know, it's difficult to, to, you know, uh, assess players thoroughly enough for them to get their shot to, you know, succeed and and make professional soccer, you know, a lifestyle or, you know, a profession for them. But now, given, you know, the likes of teams within the MLS and CPL and League One, you know, they have those stages to uh, to develop and progress. So it's it's amazing to see. Yeah, Keaton Robbins actually used to be a a writer for our site as well. So I think we have a a bit of a personal (laughs) connection uh, to this team, which is kind of cool. I want to get your thoughts on League One Ontario in general, uh, you know, a newer league, but uh, what has it meant for both uh, Ontario and the country as a whole to have, you know, a development league like that? Yeah, I, I think it's it's a good stepping stone. Like, it's a good segue into, like, you know, bigger leagues, CPL and MLS. Um, something that we, we, you know, we it was in demand for a while now, uh, especially with players that, you know, reach a certain age, like the ages of 15, 16, you know, it's a diff- difficult age. 
whether or not to pursue soccer as a career or university collegiate level um, or get into something else. And, and having these additional leagues uh, help players like, you know, follow their dreams and help them with their development. Um, so I think it's, I think it's great. I think there's, there's a lot more work that needs to be done, but I mean, the fact that we have these leagues popping up that are establishing Canadian talent, I think it's important that we need that for our country, especially. Yeah. Look, looking at the, uh, the article that sort of outlined the plans for the league one, uh, electric city FC side. Um, the thing that struck me as the most interesting was that you guys were planning on making it an event as opposed to just a soccer game. That's, that's what I read. And you were getting into partnerships with local breweries and uh, local, local Peterborough entertainment companies. And, uh, and your, your plan for the, uh, for the stadium would include beer gardens and stuff like that. Can you speak a little bit about, about what, what, make, what will make uh, Electric City FC such a, such a unique club in the League One landscape? Yes, so, so, so to tap into that, um, you know, Keen Robbins, as well as Neil Morton, uh, co-founder of Studio PTBO in Peterborough, as well as Richard Wood that owns uh, Bob Cajun Brewery, um, all of us kind of joined forces and we felt that, you know, this potentially, can, you know, it's a lifestyle movement for Peterborough. You know, I think with a soccer venue, as you guys know, with TFC and BMO and like the energy it, it generates within the city internally and externally is incredible. Um, so util, utilizing this, you know, this team, this League One team to establish a lifestyle movement, uh, energy, you know, pre and post game, you know, tailgating, beer gardens, you know, it's, it's almost like a venue that you know, generates people within the inner city to kind of gravitate toward up north. You know, I think, as you guys may know, like price point wise with real estate, <laughs> a, a lot of younger generations are priced out of the market. So given the fact that, you know, with this pandemic, there's uh, other potential opportunities to reside remotely and still maintain some sort of work. And I think with Peterborough, it's, it's in close proximity to the GTA. You know, they're extending the 407 uh, going to and from the city. So it makes that commute time a little bit easier to get, you know, to and from up, you know, northeast. So, and I think Peterborough doesn't have any competition. You have, you know, the likes of uh, uh, the Peterborough Pete's OHL team, and that's pretty much it. You know, other than that, you know, I think they need something like this to, you know, resonate the talent, not only like within Peterborough, but, you know, the neighboring cities and towns. So, uh, I'm pretty sure Peterborough has an Arby's, does it, Mitch? That's a, that's a good <laughs> selling sure. point for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's like, you know, I, I think with, uh, you know, us joining forces along with, you know, Gregory Couch, Josh Gillum, these guys have purchased, uh, you know, property on, on Shimong Road there, uh, 74 acres, with the, intention, with the intentions of establishing a you know, performance center. Hmm. Um, and I think that would be great, you know, to not only like lure players in uh, to utilize their facilities, but also help them progress in the sport. Um, and then, you know, just, uh, yeah, I think it would be uh, in the interim, we would use, maybe potentially use Trent University uh -huh. um, 
beautiful facility, beautiful campus, state-of-the-art, you know, uh, workout facilities that the players can utilize as well as the, the you know, the housing complexes. Um, so we're trying to establish something that's, you know, well-advanced, more advanced, you know, particular or, you know, the, the, uh, you know, the League One teams that are currently playing in League One. So we're trying to, like, you know, compete uh, at a larger spectrum with the intentions of potentially starting a CPL team. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, so. Great. No, it sounds like you guys have a lot of uh, groundwork there, you know, getting, getting that team going. Um, best of luck to you with everything going on there. But what I want to talk was why is it so important to you to, you know, set up this sort of foundation for Canadian soccer? Can you kind of talk about your kind of coming up in Canada soccer? What was it like to make it as a professional? Um, you know, what were your past there? And, you know, how much has that changed in the last little bit? Yeah, like, so... Just, just to be specific, I, I was born in the 1980s, right? so uh, <laughs> sounds kind of old. But at the same time, during that time, you know, our, our main training facilities were the Lamport. It was, you know, if you guys are familiar with Lamport Stadium, oh, yeah. it's uh, it's in the heart of the city. But it, you know, during the winter time, there was no bubbles, there was no indoor complexes other than Richmond Green. Hey, uh, shout out <laughs> Richmond Hill. <laughs> so. Like I said, like there was, uh, you know, teams, it was very difficult to find facilities that you can utilize, especially given the, you know, the Canadian seasonal weather, uh, six, seven months out of the year, it's significantly cold. You can't be playing outside, but we happened to do that, you know, which was nice. It builds your character and so forth. <laughs> but now, you know, I, um, I, I thought that in my generation, there was a number of players that were extremely good, um, decided not to pursue soccer and uh it was unfortunate because i think if we had what we have you know present time with all the teams the likes of toronto fc vancouver whitecaps montreal impact along with the cpl teams like i think there would be a larger scale of players that are still uh working within the game helping grow the sport especially at the grassroots and helping develop canadian talent and i think that's what we need uh as a whole, you know, the likes of Alfonso Davies doing extremely well, putting Canada on the map by winning the you know, Champions League. Um, that's, 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 that's so amazing. It's like, you know, it, it helps kids, you know, inspire kids to pursue their dreams. And now they have platforms to do, to do that. Um, Absolutely. I was just yeah. telling these guys before, um, you know, I, I, you said 1980s. I, I'm born in 1994, so not that much later. Um, I'm 26. <laughs> and if – if there was still something like if there was something like the Canadian Premier League around, if there was something like League One Ontario that was as structured as it is now, if there was that that sort of up and bring path to a Canadian soccer to make it within Canada, I honestly believe I would still be playing. But, you know, due to that, and this is just seven, eight years ago, I decided, you know, not to pursue it just because it would have been such a big risk almost as a, you know, you know, a young 18, 17, 18 year old. Um, so it, I just think it just, it's grown so much within the past 10 years, even it's, it's great to see you kind of, kind of put on for Peterborough here. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. So go ahead. Jeff. Sorry. Oh, oh, nothing. I was just going to circle back because when I was doing my research, I, I talked to Kristen Knowles, uh, our friends at the vocal minority podcast, and I found out that you're a bit of a Renaissance man. You've, uh, you've done beach soccer, correct me if I'm wrong, beach soccer nationally for the Canadian national team, you've played indoor soccer played outdoor soccer 
you've sold real estate, you were a model uh, for some time. Uh, and I, I just want to talk about the soccer aspect. What I, I, you're the first person I'm t I'm, I've talked to that's played all three permutations, indoor, outdoor, and beach. Uh, do you have a favorite? And uh, which, uh, do you have a least favorite? Ah, <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I, I'm very fond of like, you know, the, the, the game itself, you know, playing on the grass is, is something, 11 v 11 is the best. Like, while you're playing there, there's nothing better than that with the atmosphere and so forth. But having said that, you know, I've taken to like the arena game, you know, the, the, the smaller confines of the boards and mm -hmm. the, the shifting of players and like the penalties, the blue cards and like, that's also exciting. But beach soccer is like great workout, you know, you're competing. A lot of shots, very exciting, you know, and it's fast paced as well as high scoring. So, mm. man, like I, I, I gravitate to anything that's circular. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was lucky enough uh, to catch you at that Paramount Center for a, a Metro Stars game. And you were fantastic. It was, uh, it was a lot. Those games were a lot of fun. They really were. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's awesome. And like, I, I, I love the fact that, you know, we have so many like, the connections with the actual original game of soccer, uh, with mm. beach soccer, arena soccer, you know, I think that, you know, there, there's so much talent out there that, you know, that can cater to specific players, not only just 11 v 11, you know, there are certain players that are, are more well-equipped to play, you know, the arena ball and they, technically they're, they're more sound, but mm. conditioning wise, they need that, you know, that to sub out periodically to kind of right, right. Uh, help them out. Right. And then with the beach soccer, likewise, like you've got players that uh, are better with unstable surfaces, right. With the sand and the movements and, you know, playing in the air with volleys. So it, it's different dynamics of the game, but no matter, no matter how you, you look at it, it's uh, so exciting to watch and, and play as well. So that's why, you know, it's like, like I said, I, I like kicking, I like moving. And, uh, with, with soccer, it brings everything in, you know, team sports. You get the energies of the players around you and like the people that come out to watch it. It's exciting. It's the, the adrenaline and it, it, it's just uh, it's a euphoric feeling when you don't necessarily have that on a regular basis. And I've playing for such a long time. It's like a drug in my body. Like it's something that I need. Like it's, it's, it's hard not to live without it. Mm -hmm. So if you find like different ways to incorporate that into the business and life, it makes life that much more interesting mm -hmm. and fun. So, yeah. That's what we're all doing here, man. We're all, <laughs> yeah. we're all trying to write here for the beautiful game, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Adrian, have you, uh, have you gone to back to BMO recently? Pardon me, sir. Have you gone back to BMO Field recently? Uh, I ha you know what? I, I was supposed to go back there on September 15th. Uh, 2019, it was for the alumni match. I was invited and I was looking forward to, you know, doing that. Um, but my, my little guy was born on that same day. Oh, so congratulations. My, my yeah, congratulations. Oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Little Bodie James can came out that, <laughs> that evening. Uh, otherwise I'd be there and, you know, uh, you know, watching the Reds play. It's like, uh, but recently I, I think I've been there maybe a year and a half ago and I, caught a game there and it was it was great and it was man every time I walk into the stadium and feeling the atmosphere with the grandstands you know how they expanded everything as well it's uh -huh. it's second to none you know yeah. and like the way the organization treats the players and just everything and everything's done 
right. I think that's, you know, in the back of my head, when I want to establish like an organization or franchise or a team, you know, trying to do it, you know, not, not dealing with the same budget as them, but I mean, significantly <laughs> less yeah. and still establishing that pressure, professional atmosphere. I think that's something that I, I aim high to do and that players, when they come in, they feel like, you know, they're, uh, they're, they're professional. I think with BMO and, yeah, it's it's incredible, and what they've done over the course of years, and the the amount of the fan base and the supporters, supporter groups. Yeah, um, it's it's incredible. Yeah, wow. before we uh, before we let you go here, Adrian, I did want to. You talked about this a little bit, but I did want to ask you about Alfonso Davies and just how important that is for for young Canadian soccer players coming up to have a guy they can point to to be like that could be me. You know, not just you know not just capping out of the college level or. Um, you, you know, even MLS is, is a good level, but knowing that you can play at the highest stage and be from Canada, how important was that moment for the sport in this country? I think that was like the, 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 the tipping point of the iceberg. Now that, you know, the likes of Alfonso Davies, Pat, you know, made the pathway to get to win one of the most prestigious, you know, trophies in the world, other than the World Cup. It's Canadian first ever player that, you know, came out of Canada going through the likes, you know, born in Alberta and going through the, the program at Vancouver Whitecaps there and doing extremely well. I thought his path to getting there, you know, they took the, the, the steps in order to do that. Like every, everything was done right uh, with this progression and how they gave him, you know, a little bit of minutes and potentially gave him, you know, significantly more minutes. And, you know, by, by him playing in Bayern Munich, I think that was a good fit for him, especially mm-hmm. with his development. Um, to be quite frank with you, I think when I watch him play, he's one of the best players in the world to watch, mm-hmm. I think. I know it, it might be a little biased coming from Canada, but even if, you know, yeah, I'm not gonna, just watching him shoot players and his dynamic, you know, changing speed and going up and down the flanks. Like, I think at his age, he's got the potential to, you know, becoming one of the best players in the world. Uh, he's already top 10, I think, by the age yeah. of 19. He's, he can show, he, he shows a lot of confidence. And having said that, I think getting closer to the World Cup 2026, when, you know, we're supposed to be hosting games here in Canada, there's going to be a lot more foreign investors that are looking to maybe potentially start, you know, either you know, teams and scout players, because they know there's an underlying talent here in Canada that's not tapped into as of yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so... This is just going to broadcast our country that much more. And I think with it, it helps out the grassroots, the players that are the younger generations that are, have the, you know, the, the demand and the, the willpower to get to that level. Now they can do that, given the likes of Alfonso Davies and other players that have played at you know, very high levels within the sport. So I think it's, uh, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, certainly exciting times for for the sport in this country. Adrian, thanks again so much for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having you guys and all the best, man. Cheers, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, very excited to see what what they do up in Peterborough with Electric City Football Club. I think, uh, you know, he's got some good plans there. Uh, The one thing I think that really stood out to me from this, or or one of the things was – um, this idea that so many people dropped out of soccer so early and they didn't complete that kind of soccer life cycle. Like not only did they not play for, you know, 
local teams or play for their country, but then they didn't go on to invest in coaching and that next step, right? And that's why what's happening right now is so important that we're going to see guys have an opportunity to do stuff after their playing days in Canada as well and just feed even more into the, the Canadian uh, soccer landscape. That really stood out to me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. A, pa- a pathway. But I mean, I'm also excited for uh, just, you know, bringing it back to TFC. I'm excited for former mm. internationals like a, like a certain Victor Vasquez to come back and, and right. get onto the coaching side. And I do think that that's the next step in the evolution. I'm still sore that Ben Washeru isn't part of the organization still because uh, I, I have a massive, massive, massive amount of time for Ben Washeru. I'd love to know what Michael thinks. But... <laughs> yeah, no, I think Michael had to, uh, Michael had to head out uh, <laughs> at one, but yeah. Um, mm. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And, you know, we've already seen, I mean, we have Stephen Caldwell who came over because he yep. was a Toronto FC player now on the bench with the Canadian men's national team. So we're already seeing some of the div. Uh-oh. Am I the only person here now? This country. Did I cut out a little bit there? Yeah, a little bit. I was like, right. I was freaking out because maybe I had to end the show myself, which I haven't oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, never been dropping like flies here on, uh, <laughs> <laughs> on Wiki Red Weekly. What Sunday, do I do? Hey, probably, uh, magic? Yeah, like pro- juggling? Yeah, pro- <laughs> probably just to wrap it up. Yeah, Jeff, yeah, uh, we I, get I, left I with so. Jeff's thoughts on mm-hmm. on his own. Um, you don't but want at any rate, uh, thanks again. Thanks again to Adrian Can for, for joining us. Um, and uh, thanks again to Sophia and Kevin, as always, from Footy Talks for all their work on the show. And thanks, of course, to all of you for watching and listening. See you next Tuesday.